I'm just going to give us a very, very short message to set us up for tonight. You know, I was just so blessed by Pastor Caleb's message earlier today. I felt like God was stirring something in my heart, this desire of like, come on, you know, shake out of that complacency, shake out of that like, oh, but it's just so hard. And, you know, I feel like very alone in this. And and one, I felt like God was just taking me by the shoulders and shaking me out of that complacency, bringing me into that place where I can begin to cry out and pray once again. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis 26 verses 12 to 25. I have some uh, slides for you. Uh, yeah. Somebody likes slides. Yes. I like slides too. I'm a very visual person. So from Genesis 26 verses 12 to 25, it reads, and Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year, a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, or dispute, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna, or opposition. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, or wide open spaces, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. So this is a passage um, that was really placed upon my heart um, especially in the middle of this year. Um, I shared earlier to, did I share earlier today? Was that last night? It was last night. Um, how we even ended up at a retreat. Um, it was really something that God was placing, uh, upon our hearts at the beginning of the year. And we didn't know if we could pull it off. We didn't know if we would find ourselves here at the end of the year. This is when we're in the middle of a pandemic. We have no idea what the year 2021 is going to look like. And in faith, we felt like God was, you know, going, going to meet us in a very particular way towards the end of the year. We also knew that there were some very important milestones that we were going to cross this year. Um, and let me kind of fast forward to uh, August of this year. August of this year was a very uh, challenging time for myself personally and for the staff and for the elders because it was during this time, while the p- pandemic is still raging, that we felt God was leading us, hey, you need to find your own space. You need to start looking for your own building. And we knew that the end date of our previous lease was coming up in end of October. And so we were, okay, 
all right, we're going to have faith. We know that God's going to do this, man. God's going to open up a way. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's, you know, let's send out people to search and like, look at places. And I remember Luna would ride her bike with Shion in the back and she'd go all around Sangsu looking at places that were out for rent and things like that. And in the beginning, it was like so exciting. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. And then the more we did this, the more discouraged we became because we very quickly began to realize that there was no landlord that really wanted, first of all, a church in the middle of a pandemic, right? Second of all, a foreigner filled church. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but foreigners and Christians don't have a great reputation right now in the city. And so there's not a lot of landlords who are like, yes, please come our place. Make this your home. None of that was happening. And so uh, we became very quickly discouraged. Man, are we really going to end up like in a small cramped up, you know, basement place where like, man, we're never going to see the light of day. And it's going to be kind of musty in certain seasons of the year. We thought that maybe this is where. Uh, we're going to have to settle with. And during this time when this was, this was a wrestle and we knew that, okay, we need to make a decision very soon. There's this one particular day, um, in August when, you know, I was trying to take a break. I was trying to unplug, you know, from what was going on with our building search. And I was finding myself wrestling with the Lord. I, I was like, come on, God, don't you want to bless us? Like, haven't we shown you that we're faithful? Like, like, do we have to like, you know, like really wrestle you for this? Like what, what is going on? Why isn't there an open door for us to move? And why is it taking so long? And why is it so hard? And I felt like in that moment, God was saying two things. One thing is that it's going to feel hard and don't take that as a closed door. How often when we hit resistance, we interpret that as, oh, God must not want this for us. Because if God wanted this for us, it would come easy, right? How many times have we done that? We've read into a situation where, man, the first sign of resistance, the first sign of no, the first sign of go look elsewhere, the first sign of that, of that, and we're like, well, this must not be God's will. I guess I'm wrong. I guess the timing is off. And, you know, like maybe, you know, it'll be for a different time. How often do we interpret it that way? But what I was feeling like God was speaking to me is number one, it's going to feel hard, but it's still my will. Like this wrestle, this battle that you feel like you're in, it's not because I'm not in it. It's because I am in it and it's going to feel hard. That's the first thing that I felt like he was saying. And the second thing, thankfully, it wasn't just like, it's going to be hard. The second thing was very random phrase that came to mind. And he said, you know, take this as you will. He said, I'm going to be bringing you to wide open spaces. I'll bring you to wide open spaces. And this came way out of the blue. Um, long story short, I was like in a pool somewhere trying to relax. And there was like a bunch of like really annoying, loud people by the pool. You know, those people who were like really loud and they're taking pictures for 40 minutes and they're not really swimming. They're not, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're there for Instagram portfolio, you know, kind of thing. And I was getting so annoyed. I feel like this is partly, partly aging. I'm like, ah, oh, these, these millennials or whatnot. I was like getting really, really annoyed. I was trying to relax, but feeling like very uh, bitter at the same time. And so I was, you know, I was doing this and, and I was on my phone as well and I was like, you know, trying to figure out this building search thing while I was there. And then there was a moment where I looked up and the entire place was empty. I was like, did I miss my <laughs> exit time? Like the entire place was empty and I just had the entire pool all to myself. And that's when I felt God saying, I'm bringing you to wide open spaces. Like I'm making a place for you. Such a random thing. I was like, 
I'm in the pool. <laughs> like God can speak to me here as well, I guess. But I remember very clearly that's what he said. And I kind of held on to this word. And then when I shared it with the staff, uh, Jacob, you know, brought up Genesis 26. Did you know that wide open spaces in Hebrew, it's Rehoboth. And it's in Genesis 26. It talks about this is the name that was given over different wells that were being dug up by uh, Isaac. And so slowly God has been kind of like connecting those dots for me. I don't know if you guys think that way, but I'm kind of like that. Like I have all these dots and I need to see how God connects all those things. And so it's God is slowly unraveling what it means for us to contend for wide open spaces, contend for a Rehoboth. Um, and the first thing, you know, that uh, I want us to think about today as we're looking at Genesis 26 is number one, God's blessing will lead us to a place, believe it or not, where we have to contend again. Sometimes we think that God's blessing just leads us to a place of like ease, you know, like, oh, where things are handed to me on a silver platter. When my life is working out exactly as I hoped it would. And we don't believe that it's God's will that we get back up again and we begin to contend again and do the hard thing again and begin to press in again. God's blessing will lead you to a place of having to contend again. And sometimes that contending looks like redigging old wells. I don't know what was going through Isaac's mind as he's redigging these old wells that his father had dug up and he's facing all these different, you know, sources of opposition. And he's like, is this God's will? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like I was having such a, you know, I was really prospering in this land and then I just got kicked out. I thought your blessing was on me. Why am I in the wilderness again? Why do I have to be digging for wells in the middle of the desert? Wells are not a luxury. Wells are a survival element. Like if you don't have that, if you don't have a well in the middle of the desert, you die. It's not like, oh, life will be a little more inconvenient. You die without a well in the middle of the desert. And so Isaac is put in a place where, man, I thought God's blessing was all my life. What happened? Like I was doing so well. God was multiplying everything that my hand was touching. And I felt like my life was finally on the right track. And all of a sudden God's blessing leads him back to that place of contending where his life is at stake. And he finds himself having to redig these old wells that his father, father had dug. Now, this is the thing we could live a very content life of just going with the flow. Just taking things as they come. And I'm great at that. I, I, I love like, yes, Lord, just bless me. I'm here to receive. Yes, Lord, you know, like, you know, throw all these good things my way. I am, I am your beloved. I am your favorite. Just don't make me do work. Don't make me, you know, strive for something. Don't let, don't make me work towards something. I, I love living in contentment. Uh, but even if it means living dry, I'm okay with that as long as I don't have to strive. Right. But when it comes to God's blessing and getting God's blessing, living a life of contentment is just not enough. It's not enough. Sometimes we are okay with contentment in our life because we don't realize that our lives depend on it. Sometimes it's very hard to picture in our own life. Hey, I'm going through a really dry patch, but I think it'll pass. Or like, I, I think it, it, it might be just a temporary thing and I, I just got to get on with life. We don't realize that our lives hang hang there, you know, that there's something very great at stake. And we get very comfortable with, Hey, I guess some things are going to work out. Maybe this, this well would dig itself right in that way. Like, Oh, this, this, this will happen if it's God's will in my life. But God will often lead us to the place where we have to wrestle, where we have to press in. We have to ask, we have to do what's uncomfortable, what often feels futile. 
often feels futile. I don't know anything about digging wells, but I bet you this, when you're in the middle of the desert and you're digging a hole in the ground and it's only sand, 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 more sand, more sand. I'm sure that there's a thought that creeps into your mind like, okay, is uh, this going anywhere? (laughs) Am I actually going to get to the water? Maybe I'm completely wrong about this. Maybe all the effort that I'm putting into this with a little energy that I have, it might not yield fruit. But in those moments, man, if you yield to those lies, if you yield to that sense of futility, you are never going to find water. You have to press through. You have to know that your life depends on it. Your family's life depends on it. And this is something that is not futile. It's going to lead you somewhere. Refreshment in God's presence is just like that. Refining refreshment in God's presence. When you go through a rough patch, you realize how important that is in your life. When you feel disconnected from the Lord and you realize like, man, I just, I can't remember the last time I connected with the Lord. I can't remember the last time that I felt his presence. I can't remember the last time I heard his voice. And without knowing, you've dulled yourself to your need to hear God's voice on a daily basis. You need God's presence. You need God's closeness. And if you don't press in, if you don't believe that God's will is also you contending for something that is hard, that won't come easy, then that feeling of futility is just going to, uh, you know, uh, rob you of any effort, rob you of any possibility of finding that water. So God's blessing will often lead you to a place of contending. It's not that it's the enemy that is leading you there. It's God often that is leading you there. And so it requires discernment, obviously, but often we very quickly, very quickly interpret a situation and say, this is hard. It is not God. This is difficult. It is not God. This didn't come immediately. It is not God. And this is one of those instances where we see so clearly that it is God's will for Isaac to wrestle, for him to press in, for him to go into the middle of the desert and begin to dig. The second thing is that you will often have to walk through Essek and Sitna to get to Rehoboth. You'll have to walk through, you'll have to hit that wall of dispute. You have to hit that wall of opposition for you to finally find yourself in wide open spaces. It's that, that, you know, that, that wall that you hit, that resistance that you hit, that, oh man, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. Oh man, people are out to get me. Oh man, like this is, this is such you know, an unfair situation, so unjust. All those situations um, that might make you feel like, oh, maybe I'm not on my way to Rehoboth. But from this story, we realized that it was part of the journey, part of the journey of going through dispute, going through opposition to finally find wide open spaces. Some of us will never get to Rehoboth if we give up after Essek and Sitna. Some of us will never get there if we choose after that moment of dispute or that moment of opposition to be like, you know what, this is just too hard. Uh, maybe a different time. Maybe when I have it in me, like maybe it's for, for somebody else. Maybe it's for, maybe, I, 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 I don't know. There, there's a lot of maybes that come into your mind at that time. But some of us will never get to wide open spaces unless we're willing to go through the discomfort and the tension of going through dispute and opposition. 
And that is a lesson that we have to learn over and over and over again, because our lives will very rarely be so like easy and like a walk in the park and things just fall on your lap. Very often, God isn't just trying to bless us with the end result. God is trying to bless us in the process. He is transforming us into people who can contend. He's like, you think that, oh man, if we just get to that end goal, it's all going to be worth it. God's like, I'm not even looking at the end goal right now. I'm looking at you right now. And that fire in your heart, that ability to be resilient against these oppositions, your ability to fight for something that you believe in, what it means for you to step out in faith when there's so many reasons why you should give up. He's looking at what he's doing in you in the process. And so often we just think, well, it's about the end goal. Oh, if we only get there, but God is looking at something else. He's looking at the person that is becoming someone who's able to contend for that Rehoboth. So some of us, you know, if we lean our ear to the enemy or to discouragement until, man, this time, how, why is this time going to be any different? Man, we're never going to get to that wide open space. This is something that I felt when Pastor Caleb was preaching today. You know, when he was talking about this woman with the issue of blood. And I preached on this passage before. Do you imagine contending for something for 12 years? 12. I can't contend for something for like 10 minutes. You know what I mean? I give up after 10 minutes. Like, well, I did my part. I guess it's not God's will. And I move on with my life. 12 years of contending for something. Imagine after 12 years of no, 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 you're still sick. You're still unclean. You're never going to have a normal life. This is your lot in life. 12 years of hearing that. And you find yourself at that moment where you have an opportunity to grab the cloak of Jesus. What if in that moment you choose to say other oh, position is too much? The dispute is too much. The discomfort is too much. The tension is too much. What if in that moment that war would, you know, that, that lie had won in this woman's head and would have kept her from just reaching out. She was just one reach away from her breakthrough. I can't imagine what it would look like to do that for 12 years, but I know this God honored those 12 years. Maybe it made her into the person that was willing to fight through crowds and reach in to, to grab his cloak. I don't know what those 12 years were like, but I know that God rewarded those 12 years for sure. And so you'll have to walk through dispute. You'll have to walk through opposition to get to those wide open spaces. This is one of those times where it's very clear. Third time's a charm. Sometimes it's not third time. Sometimes it's like 20th time. Sometimes it's 30th time. But the point is when God is leading you somewhere, don't, don't quickly just let go and give up the moment that you hit opposition. It is very often that God will deliberately lead you to these instances where Man, it's hard to believe again after this, after this no. Like, okay, okay, this time is going to be different. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prepare myself for it. I'm going to anticipate this time is going to be different. And then it's still a no. God will often lead you to those places to build something, to do something in you that cannot happen any other way. If God were to just simply give you what you want when you wanted it, can you imagine the state of our, you know, our spiritual state? Can you imagine what that would do to that, to, to us? You know, like when, you know, when, when I see parents, you know, raising their children, imagine they were to give everything the child wanted when they wanted it. What kind of child would that be? They would be, first of all, they'd be terrible parents, right? They'd be terrible parents. And second, they'd be ruining this child's life. 
This child wouldn't know what it means to hear no. He wouldn't know what it means to not have immediate gratification. He wouldn't know what it means, you know, to trust that somebody's judgment might be better than theirs. They wouldn't know any of these things if they got everything they wanted when they wanted it. And so often God will do that with us as well. As sucky as that sounds, as inconvenient as that sounds, God will often lead us directly to dispute and opposition in order to get us to the place where we can fight for the wide open spaces. And lastly, you know, after going through, you know, this first well and this second well, and then finally to this third well of Rehoboth, then he is able, you know, to go to this different place, Beersheba, Beersheba. You got to be careful with that word. It kind of sounds like a bad Korean word. Um, Luna, where are you? I feel like (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what you're thinking. Um, It is after that, that God appears and it is to his whole point. It wasn't just, Hey, Hey Isaac, I want to give you a well. I want to give you just physical sustenance. What God ultimately wanted to give Isaac and bless Isaac with was with himself. He wanted to give Isaac God. He wanted him to encounter God for himself. It wasn't enough that his dad knew God. He needed to know God. He needed to know God firsthand. A secondhand experience with God is not enough. The thing is that Isaac could have been content with God's promise to Abraham. He could have been content with a secondhand experience. And yet God wanted more for him. He wanted to speak to Isaac. He wanted to renew his covenant with Isaac. He wanted Isaac to know that, hey, I'm not just Abraham's father. I mean, I'm not just Abraham's God. I am Isaac's God as well. I am your God as well. Now, have you ever felt like, you know, there's times when you think like, oh, yeah, God is for us. But I don't really know if he's for me. Like, like me, like Susie Park, like for me, because God can very quickly be something of an abstract concept. And he loves y'all, you know, in a very broad and abstract kind of way. But then when rubber meets the road and you're going through something in life, you realize that, oh, I actually don't believe that he's for me. Like he's maybe for other people or us in general, but not really for me. And we need to go through this process as uncomfortable as it is, where we finally realize that this is not just the God of Abraham, but this is the God of fill in the blank of Susie, the God of Yumi, the God of Brittany, right? He is the God of, I don't know, of Mo. Yes, I remembered your name, Mo. He is the God of Andrew. He is, he is our God. He is my God. And unless we go through these circumstances, we can live an entire life thinking like, oh yeah, God, he is our God and he loves all of us and yay. But we never will get to that place of conviction that he is my God. He is Susie's God. He is deeply acquainted with me. He knows every detail of my life. He knows what I'm struggling through. He knows the things that occupy my thoughts, the things that make me lose sleep at night, the things that cause me anxiety. He knows all these things. And in that place, he is the God of Susie. He is the God of Yumi. He is the God of Brian. We need to go through that process in order for us to get there. Now, I want to just end with this for tonight. When it comes to redigging old wells, wells that belong to Isaac's father, 
Wells that were sustaining a previous generation, but had been stopped up in his generation. There were things that were sustaining an entire generation, but when it came to his turn, they had been stopped. They had been filled with, with, uh, with soil. And he realized that he couldn't just live off of stories that he heard from his father. He needed to experience God for himself. He needed to encounter God's sustenance for himself. You know, something that I believe is, is a word for the moment for our church is that our church has gone through seasons of, for lack of a better word, revival, where we've seen God moving in really incredible ways. And for someone who's a skeptic like me, I walked in like, I don't know if this is God. Like, why are you raising your hands? And I don't know if I believe about this in the Holy Spirit. I was very like Pharisee of Pharisees, like very, very skeptical, suspicious about everything I saw doing here. And even for someone like me, when I walked into the room, just like Caleb, uh, Pastor Caleb was saying earlier today, it was undeniable that God's presence was there. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like you would walk into a room and not feel like it's just a room with a bunch of people singing a bunch of songs. It felt like, God was there and God was moving. God was speaking. It, it was, it was something so intangible and yet so hard to deny. And our church, even for, for you people who have joined our church in the more recent years, this is part of our church history. This is part of, I don't know why God did it beats me. We were just a bunch of young kids who didn't know what we were doing. And we were just hungry for God and God poured out his spirit. There's no way that we earned any of that. He just, in his mercy, he poured out his spirit over the church. I can't tell you why, but he did it. And it was undeniable. Now, for many years, we, you know, we stewarded that and we honored that. But then over the years, as more and more, we began to dishonor the Holy Spirit or religion and form and all these things began to take the place of an authentic and genuine move of the Holy Spirit. We began to see the spirit moving less and less. And over the years, I feel like we've lost something like these wells have been stopped up. They've been filled in. And I feel like the wells are still there, but it's going to take some digging. It's going to take some believing that there's something for this generation. We can't just live off of these amazing stories from the past. Do you know that in our church, when we would send out mission teams, we would see salvations. We would see blind eyes open. We would see crippled people, like people who had like very gen, like people, you know, in their town, they would know this. And then they would get prayer or go to revival service. And we would see healings right before our eyes. We'd see salvations. We would see amaz- God do amazing things. When we would come into our prayer meetings on our Fridays, you know, it was this thing where like, Oh man, it's been three hours, but I can't go home because God is here, you know, and we'd stay until they would kick us out. Basically, there'd be people who walk into this room, not knowing God and then leaving with a holy discontent in their heart. Whatever is going on here. I think I want this. People would walk in, you know, this would happen over and over and over again. This is the history of this church. This is what this congregation has seen. And it would be such a shame if we said, man, must have been great to live back then. Must have been great to be a, to, to attend New Philly back then. Wow, I guess I missed that boat. Wouldn't it be a shame if we just left it at that and moved on with our lives? I, I very honestly believe that there is something that God wants us to redig back up again. 
when we went through a major transition and shaking as a church, and I, w- I was feeling, you know, the promise of God over this church. And as I was, you know, we were, I was repenting, you know, very profoundly for the state of the church before a lot of these shakings happened because I knew that Jesus was no longer the center of what we were doing. The prophetic word that I kept getting, and it's a word that we are studying very much uh, in our house churches in Seoul, is that God is able to remove lampstands from churches if we do not heed to the voice of the spirit. And during this time where I was like, God, we have grieved your Holy Spirit. We have abused this, you know, blessing that you've given us as a church. We have used this to build up platforms and names and reputation. And like, how could we distort something so pure and so freely given and use it for our own gain? I was very deeply grieved at the state of our church. And my one prayer during that season, it was, don't take away a lampstand. We're going to repent. We're going to come before God. We're going to turn back to you, God. Just don't take away this lampstand. I want this church to make it through. God, you have every right to take away this lampstand. You have every right. We have dishonored you. You have every right to give up on us. But would you show us mercy? And throughout that season, I felt like God continued to, you know, give comfort to my heart. Like, there's still a future for New Philly. There's still... Glory that I want to pour out. There's still presence that I want to pour out. There's still miracles that I want you to experience and see in your own life. Not just hear from somebody else, but experience in your own life. There's still so much that I want to pour out upon this church. If you'll turn. I felt like that was, you know, in my heart over and over and over again. Now, what good is a lampstand if there's no fire on it? This is the new prayer that I've been praying this recent season. What good is a lampstand if there's no fire on it? It's just a decoration. You know? Like, great, God, you helped us make it through the season. Great, we still have our lampstand, but there's no fire on it. And so my prayer for this season has been, God, would you relight this fire of the Holy Spirit over our church once again? Even if it means that we'll be a little uncomfortable, Even if it means that we have to put ourselves out there and believe that there's something on the other side, even if it means that we're going to hit opposition and, you know, all all these different sources of resistance, even that, but let's redig these old wells. I believe that God has something in store for this generation, for the future of this church. I often get asked the question by other pastors, why are you doing what you're doing? You know? Uh, I mean, they're like, why are you doing what you're doing? Like, I'm sure you could get hired elsewhere. I'm sure there's different churches that would take you, you know, like, why are you? And at the end, you know, at the end of that conversation, it always boils down to, I don't know, but I know that God has plans for this church. I can't shake that off. I can't just say like, oh, well, that was hard. Let me, you know, dust, off, dust my hands off and move on to an easier project. No, I feel like there's still something here in this church. And I feel it so deeply. God has a future for this church. And it's not just a future of, uh, hey, let's just have a few more services. And, hey, maybe we'll get a little bit more attendance. And maybe we'll get a new building. And it's not these things. I believe that what God has in store for this church is much greater than that. Because all those other things, when push comes to shove, you can make it happen on your own strength. You can make those things happen. But the one thing that you can't fabricate, that you can't fake, 
is the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon a people. You can't fabricate that. That is simply a gift from God. And there's no other way to explain that. And that is what I'm believing for this church. That God has a future in store for this church. And it's not just, hey, be a nice church and behave. And hopefully you'll have a good, you know, reputation in the city. And hopefully you won't ruffle too many feathers. And yeah, you'll be known as this like nice people church. I believe that God wants something more for this church. And there's a people that have the power of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. That trust God in humility and in courage. And they are seeing their lives being transformed by that and other people's lives being transformed by that as well. I don't just want to live in the past. I don't just want to say, well, good for Abraham. Good for all those people, you know, that were here back then. I want us to experience that now. I want this generation, our generation in this community to experience that as well. And that's why there's been such an urgency in my heart. Like, God, like, what are we doing? If, if, if. If you're not going to bless us with your Holy Spirit, what are we doing? Let's just shut this thing down. There's so many great churches in the city. Why, why should we do this? You know, why try so hard to do this? If your spirit is not going to come, then let's just shut this down. Let's go somewhere else. But I believe that God has something in store for this church. And I believe that what God wants to do is going to exceed our expectations, but it's going to take some discomfort. It's going to take some digging it's going to take some pressing in. It's going to be especially hard. Well, actually, I don't know. For people who have never experienced the raw power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be hard for you to contend because you don't know exactly what you're contending for. You're like, well, I've heard. I guess this is possible. Maybe this is worth it. And so it's going to be hard to picture it and envision it and press in for it. For people who have experienced it before, what's going to be very hard for you is... Man, am I going to be setting myself up for disappointment? Because I've seen how this thing can get. I've seen how this can hurt people. I've seen how disillusioned I can get. And there's a different kind of hurdle that you have to get through if you've experienced it before. And so it's not, gonna, it's not an easy you know, thing to, to like, hey, let's do this together. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so easy. It's going to be so immediate. It's not that kind of call that I'm placing before you. Let's press in together. Let's dig together. Let's see God do what only he can do together. It's going to take faith. It's going to take faith. It's not going to come easy. It's going to take faith.